this is our first car cast. Car cast with Ben De LaCour. So we were talking before we fired this up, right, about Scott had heard in some of Ben's music kind of some some familiar maybe touchstone artists that maybe Ben is into. Yes. And what did you come up with, Scott? I said Graham Parsons, Nick Cave, and Warren Zevon, Towns Van Zant, stuff like that. Um, and then, uh, yeah, because I just noticed, like, there was a difference. There was, like, a rawness to your um, uh, High Cost of Living Strange records. So it sounded to me like it, for the most part, was recorded live. Yeah, we. I kind of uh, um, endeavored to always record live. I think that, um, you know, a lot of the music that I grew up listening to is kind of recorded that way, and I think that um, there's... You know, so many artists, especially in this kind of genre, that you you'll see them live, and there's this kind of energy and feel to it. And mm -hmm. then you hear their record, and it's just like everything is quantized, and everything is perfect, and there's all this elaborate production. And I think that that's actually kind of harder to get away with a good. And like I like the Eagles and those kind of bands, but um, which maybe I shouldn't admit, but I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't have. It's not like I have any credibility to begin with, so it's not like I have anything to lose. Not protecting anything. Yeah, yeah. I go in like weird stretches. Like lately, I've been listening to like a lot of Echo and the Bunnymen and sure. um, like the Damned. The Damned are great. And um, just uh, old country. I've been listening to lately. Like Wynn Stewart is well. That's really old, but uh, Gary Stewart. Dude, I love Gary Stewart is the honky tonk Johnny Thunders. His his duo, the Brotherly Love record with Dean Dillon, is so great. He's um, he's probably my favorite um, kind of pure country yeah. singer. He's so awesome but unhinged at the same time. You know that song, uh, Harlan County Line, is probably one of my favorite country songs. That's it. Yeah, that's uh, Delete. Some somebody else did that. Um, who else did that song? Um, because that song was like the main title song for the show Justified. No. Yeah, yeah, Harlan County Line. Uh, I can't remember. There was an artist from California. We were talking about this, that, Scott. You and I were having yeah. the same conversation. Dave Alvin. Really? Dave Alvin wrote the song Harlan County Line. Oh no, you're thinking of um, you're thinking of that song. Uh, like, You'll Never Get Out of Harlan Alive. That's a different song, but it's also about Harlan. Oh, okay. Yeah, Harlan Because John has one, too. Yeah, I didn't know. I, I haven't heard either of the songs you guys are talking about, and now it appears that everybody and their cousin has a Harlan song. <laughs> well, you know, that's tradition, right? <laughs> right, exactly. When you rip off people, you're just like, oh, I'm continuing the tradition. That's all. <laughs> that's what I, you know. We're continuing yeah. that lineage. Yeah. So now Actually servicing music. Right, you're doing your, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Usually yeah. on Sunday mornings, I'll read or listen, and I listen to music and have coffee, and I was listening to... Uh, Becky Warren's um, War Ensemble of, or uh, War Surplus Records. She's one of my best friends. I saw that you were playing with her at the Bluebird on the 25th. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I've known Becky since I moved to Nashville. I have two of her records. How long have you been in Nashville, Ben? Uh, seven years. Seven years. Yeah. Okay. And let me ask you this. Going back, you know, you were talking about recording live. and, and So what do you do for a band? Do you use local cats that you know, or do you have kind of a band? When you do a full band gig, is it always the same lineup? <laughs> um, pretty much. Uh, I've been playing kind of with the same... Uh, um, Jimmy Sullivan, who plays 
bass with me is uh, one of my best friends, and we've been playing together since kind of um, since I moved to Nashville. I actually was working at a as a bartender at this terrible restaurant that went into bankruptcy pretty soon after. But I trained him unknowingly to me as my replacement. They were planning on firing oh. me because of my, uh, I guess, shitty attitude, which is fair enough. I mean, I, I did and do have a shitty, you know. Um, I appreciate you owning up to that. Yeah, I do. You know, it's been a lot of, it's caused a lot of problems. But, you know, it's, um, you know, I, I think that there's a fine line between, um, knowing that you're getting screwed over and speaking up for it and just being a troublemaker and I, I don't know which side of the line I usually am on but I've definitely been on both <laughs> but I was training him as my replacement and I found out he played upright bass and he just moved to town I've been in town like maybe a year or two at that point and uh I was thinking you know bass players get snapped up really fast yeah. in Nashville so I was like oh yeah man we should play together and then I've kind of leveraged the friendship into like getting him to play shows with me since then and you know he's great he's a jazz player too and um yeah so it's so it's basically he's th this record i just recorded that's not out yet i made up in canada um on a canadian grant which was awesome and i used all canadian musicians oh, on cool. that one and except i flew my brother in to play drums cool um but usually i use all the same guys in that show yeah because i think i saw you the band you had when i saw you a year maybe a little more ago I know he was playing bass for yeah, you, I think, he was. And, and that was a really, a really good band. But I noticed too, you know, a lot of the folks in Nashville are, you know, you'll see the same drummer with three different oh, sure. acts in a day. And and the 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 thing with that is, you know, I think those those people certainly, you know, have the chops to do that. But there's something about going into a studio with a band that you have, you know, you have some time with. Yeah. You, know, you spent some time with and. It's not like it used to be where, you know, you have to stop everything because, you know, the bass player flubbed a note. I mean, unless you record an analog, which a lot of people are doing again. But there's something about the feel of the music when someone's played it and it really has their part, you know. And it sort of takes some time to do that playing live, I think. And I heard in your band when I I could tell you guys had played together before versus some other things I was hearing around that time. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that... Um you know, going back to that analog thing, I think there are a lot of people who are these analog fetishists, and, you know, that's fine, but I think that the magic of analog is in the workflow, as opposed to the uh, actual tape. You know, tape is great and all, but um, why those old records sounded so great recorded to tape is because they had to get the performances right. out. And so that's why I like to record live. You know, we record a lot in one room live, mm -hmm. uh, including a lot of the time the vocals. And uh, oh, cool. that way you have to get a good take because you can't go in and change a bass line here because it's in 800 different mics. Right. You know, so you're like, if this is a take that you got and you're good with it, this is the take you got. You know, and I think that gets better performances out. And I think it also, you know, there's something to be said for recording kind of when you're on the edge. You know, and everyone's kind of really locking in and knows that this has got to be the one. Yeah, or, yeah. you know, maybe it's the 45th take. I think Company <laughs> Town was like 40 takes in. Ooh, it was fucking, great fucking brutal. But, great uh, song. Oh, thanks. But it was, uh, you know, and it was the same. But also playing with people who uh, kind of just learned the song can be magical. That's what we did up in Canada. We did most of that live, and a lot of times it was... You know, they might have heard the song for the first time 20 minutes before. Wow. I mean, you know, which is really, I, I think it's pretty cool. 
if, if you know, those got some man, great players up in Winnipeg. Amazing people. And my brother and I have been playing together since we were 12 years old, so we have a pretty good telepathy going on. Yeah, he played with you in Dead Man's Root, right? Yeah, all the yeah. metal bands and yeah. stuff, yeah. I, oh, man. I was going to ask you, so I saw recently you'd posted up an old video of that of that group, I believe. Yeah. And so tell me what your background is prior to, you know, your kind of current genre that, you know, um, what did you start out as? Were you a you know, rock and roll, a metal kid, a hardcore kid? What what was that background? I was kind of, yeah, like a rock and roll, punk rock, metal kid. And, uh, but I, you know, I kind of discovered Towns Van Zandt when I was probably 16. And so, uh, you know, I was always really into that, really into Captain Beefheart, really into, <laughs> you know, Little Feet and yeah. uh, Dylan and um, all that kind of stuff. And then, uh, so I always listened to that music and I always, you know, I grew up playing acoustic long before I played electric and oh. my dad was, he was like, I'm not buying you an electric until you prove that you're sticking with this thing, you know, so I had to play this horrible Yamaha he had from the 70s where the strings were like eight inches up above the, above the fretboard and it was, man, it was brutal and I was so bad at guitar, like, I have so little aptitude for 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 music, you know, like I've been playing since I was a kid. I should be a really good guitar player, you know. Like I should be so much better. It's it's really embarrassing, honestly. But you know, but you know, there's something too about I think aptitude is is a great word for it because the other thing is the ability to capture you know emotions and and paint pictures the way you do. I'm not trying to blow you know sunshine, but you know I would rather have that then wow you know ben's really ripping these arpeggios or you know what i yeah, mean or, sweep you know, listen to him man he's, I, I don't know what that song was about but boy that solo you know where he was finger tapping you know yeah i would you know and and i can tell you confidently you know i have my i take my boy to school um every morning your cd i think i told you permanent spot in, oh, in the truck thank you and i mean we both we both know these songs. Huh? My son's 12. Some of the concepts might be a bit much, but yet he still understands there's a story at work. You know, it's the same thing as reading to him. In my mind, I'm sharing literature with him just in another, you know, another form. And so he, you know, something like Company Town, um, his favorite song, is, you know, he knows that story. He, he even at his young age can grasp some of the concepts of what's happening there and i think that is kind of uh it certainly is a you know praise of your talent of what you do and i you know thanks scott and i yeah. both have this this narcissistic music disorder that we've we've named it um so we both think we know everything about music and we know everything that's good but i will say you know i don't know how to plumb my house but music is the thing i i know yeah so when i speak to it you know there's it, it comes with a little history you know a little uh you know i've done i've done some background work and the music you make is um is definitely you know painting those pictures and and you have that gift for that when you're in Thank that you. process of writing um without you know peeking too much behind the the curtain um, the what's that, factory. <laughs> what's that process like for you? I mean, are you a guy who starts with a concept? Do you start with words? Do you have a chord progression? Have you worked out some sweep arpeggios you just want to talk over? I mean, yeah, basically it's all uh, 
framing my sweet, uh, yeah. Yeah, good. My two-handed tapping, <laughs> sweet picking. My eight-finger technique. Yeah, well, work. that's why I have a 12-string guitar, but it's also a, nub, a double neck with a seven-string guitar all tuned oh, to be. That's mm. awesome, you know, corn, finally. Corn was a really big, big I can hear that. Yeah. We hear that in your music a lot. We were talking, but Scott and I have been discussing that. Yeah. Yes, well, it's... It's evident. You have you have an affinity Blake. for sad songs, which is my favorite because you know the Beatles wrote all the happy ones already. So they had a lot of sad songs. They did, but they, they also wrote all the the happy and love songs. Though. Yeah, but well, there's there's a place for that. I mean, I think that, um, like your uh, your song "Down to the Water's Edge," that's it's a it's a beautiful song about a murder suicide. Yeah, I'll play I, that tonight. I haven't, I haven't adjusted that. My wife and I watched the videos on YouTube, and <laughs> I noticed we noticed at the, uh, I think it was at the beginning and maybe at the end too. It's like Jay Wosley, and I was, is that Jay Wosley from Ghost Adventures? It is, yeah. And yeah, because we movie. love that show. Yeah, that's my, uh, that's my dude. That's our, that's one of our favorite shows. That's awesome. We love that uh, going to haunted places and yeah. things like. We went to a place in Michigan a few years ago that was, it's, it's completely gone now but it was like the rumor was that the town everybody got like uh i think it was something to do with the human waste got in with the drinking water and everybody got some, cholera or something like that some some people got sick and um so we went to this cemetery and we were st there were six of or five of us and my friend tara and i were standing in the back and we hear the laughter of children Oh, sincerely. So and there is no one huh. around. Yeah. Did this, you do any EVP work while we, you were there? We did not do any EVP. <laughs> <laughs> the veil is thin. But our friends heard it in front of us. They turned around like, what was that? And then my wife was a little ways over. She looked and we're, I was like, we got to come back here tonight. And my buddy's like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ghouls are everywhere, man. They're all around us. I, but, I'm classic for that. I'm classic for the... We moved into our house, and my wife and son were, were gone, and I was still drinking then, so anytime they were gone was like, you know, I was Keith Richards for the yeah. weekend. So we're in this new house, I get downstairs in the basement, you know, and we put laundry in, and it's dark, and then I start up with a, is there anyone here who wants to talk to me? <laughs> Needless to say, no one said anything. So are any of the songs on the High Cost of Living Strange autobiographical, or are they all just, just stories that you made up? I mean, they're all me. You know, like I, uh, I was telling John on the way here, I was listening. I think it was a podcast. So I was trying to find out some information about you, but it was just it ended up just being you playing acoustic, and you were doing Uncle Boudreaux went to Texas, and everybody started laughing when you said the closest you ever got to Texas was Willie's Greatest Hits. Yeah, great line. By oh, the way. Which, yeah, and, but I was like, he's not on Bob and Tom here. I didn't. I don't know. I, I, I was offended for you that people were laughing at that. No. I, I, I think it's a sad... I don't know how yeah, you but feel you gotta, about no, that. No, I love it when people laugh at okay. that part. I mean, I wrote it to be, that part to be a... You know, I think there's... Uh, you know, I mean... It's a, you know, I, I, I wouldn't really describe my songs as goofy, but I think that... Uh, I didn't know if you... No. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you need, you need those moments of uh, levity. You know, you don't want to be just... You know, I don't know. I think it's a mark of like I don't think people can. can if you're not a fully developed songwriter until you can mix the humor and the sadness and darkness and the light together. You know, I think yeah. like all like I don't think you know all those songwriters you mentioned earlier who are kind of my personal heroes like Warren Zevon or oh. Nick Cave or Towns or you know 
even Leonard Cohen, those guys are all hilarious. You know, their yeah. their songs aren't aren't mostly kind of goofy. I mean, they have a couple of goofy songs, but but you know, there's the kind of like a black kind of humor or or kind of moments of you know, like I think that I don't think those detract from a song. I think in in fact, if they're used right, they really uh they add to it. You know, they humanize the song. Nobody wants to hear someone kind of self consciously just dragging themselves through the muck and showing everyone how sad and deep they are. It's, it's bullshit. You know, no one cares. I think that your job when you're on stage is to be the most interesting person in the room. And I don't feel very interesting as a person, but I do feel that uh, I do strive to kind of create that, uh, you know, and you got to be a fully rounded human for that. You know, for in my, in the, you know, that's how I feel about it. You know, and I... There's not a place for it in every song, but no. you, know, you get a, you get a, you know, I mean, if, uh, you know, Buddha was a pretty funny dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so what have you been listening to uh, lately? Um, man, I don't, I don't listen to a whole lot of music. No? No. More voracious reader? Yeah, I like to read, and I like to, uh, you know, listen to weird conspiracy theory podcasts, mm -hmm. or I like to just drive in silence a lot, <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I kind of listen to the same music I, I always listen to, and I, I listen to a lot of kind of more, uh, kind of punk rock stuff, or, or kind of older yeah, I was, rock and roll stuff. Cool. For, like, the last three weeks, I was listening to tons of, uh, this band, Gang of Four. Oh, yeah, they're oh, yeah. great. And then Andy Gill dies. Died. I know. I'm like, I was just listening to yeah. this band constantly. Andy Entertainment is such a great record. Oh, yeah. Yeah, That's, they're, he's awesome. They're awesome. Ugh. But I guess, uh, John, to speak to your earlier question about, uh, the songwriting process, I guess that, uh, Really, like, I've never... Maybe Company Town, I was reading a lot about some stuff and thinking about... And I kind of set out to maybe write something about about that. Kind of the, um... The, uh... You know, the farm collapsing in, in uh, the 80s and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, how it continues to affect people. And also, um... You know, but then I also started writing it kind of about the music industry in Nashville and it kind of is about you know the, and then just kind of you know trying to I think that setting down to write a song about something or trying to write a song to appeal to certain people right. or to, or a message like if I if I feel like a songwriter <laughs> is trying to get a message across right I'm out you know there's I a pomposity to that of, yeah right I, I'll chronicle the human experience you know I'm that's and I, I agree with that I that turns me off right away you know, or someone who's got the gall to think that somehow they've written a song that summarizes your emotional state. Like, yeah. oh, well, you, you've had this loss? Oh, well, put, put my song on. You it's know, manipulative. This, it's, it is, right. It's also just shitty song. Like, I think Imagine is one of the worst fucking songs I've ever heard in my life. Like, if, if you... Tur if you if the you deliberate like, nature of it. Yeah, yeah, if you were like, hey, man, I've written this song, it's Imagine, I would just be like, don't ever play that again. <laughs> Which just goes to show that I don't know anything, but, right. you know, it is, you know, in my opinion, it's just, just awful, well, awful song. you know, and for me, I think if I hear someone who's who's taken that route, you know, where, first of all, it's the pomposity of it, it's the self-importance of it, and then everything sounds like we are the world to me. Yeah, you know, like, totally. am I supposed to donate to something when this is yeah. done, you know? If you're, I don't know, music is so personal for me that I would rather get a glimpse into your take on something or your 
an emotion that's happening to you and then the human connection comes in where I go oh man I I felt that too or I can relate to that too or I know that story too you know yeah I think that's the you know the paradoxical nature of writing songs is that the more personal and and kind of specific you are the more people can actually you know uh latch on to and connect with what you're uh talking about and that's kind of been proven i think in songwriting the best songwriters you know you get the sense of hey they're they're chronicling this thing that happened either to them or influenced them or they felt rather than well they're appealing to this or because then you know i guess you're selling chevy trucks you know what i mean yeah you're writing songs to you know I mean, I don't even know what's going on in my own mind. How could I? How could I ever profess to, <laughs> to know what's speaking happening. to somebody else's or you know some kind of universal concept? You know, I mean. Although, if there's money in writing a song about a Chevy truck, I feel like I'd sign me up. Yeah. I don't care. I mean, you know, I don't. Uh, I think Bob Seger did it already. Yeah, he's already got them all. <laughs> he's already got them all. <laughs> yeah, he he's fishing up river. You said uh, yeah. you you like to read. Who? Um, I've been I, I got sober recently and I've been reading a oh, ton. Thank yeah. you. And um, yeah, 162 days today. today I think wow. I told John. So I've been reading a ton. Yesterday I finished a book by Mark Manson called "The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck." Oh yeah, I've heard of. I've oh, actually gone to his website. I like him. He's a. I really don't normally like that. Kind and then of I started books. reading Steve Martin's uh, "Born Standing Up" and finished that in like three hours. Yeah. And, um, it's quite a dichotomy. Yeah. So now yeah. I, now I'm reading one about the OK Corral, and but I go on thrift books, and like I just bought a couple more this morning, and uh, Raymond Carver is one I got this morning. Which um, one you get? He's probably one of my favorite. Uh, what we, something. What we talk about when we talk about. Yes, that yeah, one. That's a good one. Yeah. I didn't know great. where to start, but I just that's, yeah, that's the best where I'm gonna to, start. That's the best place to start. And I, I got I, one about Don Rickles too. So. Yeah, that's cool. But yeah, I've I've dove head first I, I told john before when when i got sober i called him because i he had been for a while and you know asked him some pointers and you know i've always liked to read but i never read before because i would never remember what i read in the morning yeah that's the problem that i've had <laughs> you know i'm like did i really read yeah <laughs> but do you have favorite go back and read you like carver i love Rim carver i really like uh annie prue and do you read mostly nonfiction or both? Mostly fiction. Mostly you know? fiction. Like when I give myself a break, I'll read some fiction. I mean nonfiction, you know, because it's easier to read. And yeah, I like it kind of, you know, it's 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 kind of like a, you know, it's it's a kind of a break. Yeah, you know? I try to do lately. What I've been doing is I try to read a smart book and then a fun book. So yeah, that's kind of like I'll have two or three books on the go, and one of them will be kind of an easier reading kind of thing that you can just sit and. And kind of devour, and then you got something, you know. Um, I like Ben Mesrick a lot. He's he writes a lot of uh, fiction and nonfiction. He wrote the the book um, "Bringing Down the House," okay. which was about the MIT guys that took down a bunch of casinos with oh, their with their those. formula for uh, blackjack. Good for them. Yeah, and there's one he's written. He wrote one called "The Accidental Millionaires," which was turned into the Facebook movie. Oh, okay, cool. Um, or accidental billionaires, and then he he's wrote one. Um, accidental 
reptoid Illuminati <laughs> controlling our and thoughts and lives. And there's the conspiracy lives. theorist yeah. in Ben. Yeah, it's not very accidental. You know, like, I, I only listen to the to one uh, conspiracy podcast, and that's Sam Tripoli's uh, Tinfoil Hat. Nice. That's which top uh, before we man. before we let you go, Ben. What's your top conspiracy? What's your the one that you're focused on? The the one that you completely are like, this is. This is the conspiracy that trees don't exist. Keeps <laughs> Space is fake. No, it's, it's, well, there's a there's a <laughs> dome, you know, over the earth, and where gravity and trees don't exist. Oh, yeah. Mine is the moon landing is fake. <laughs> yeah, that's probably. a good one. I mean, you know, Kubrick was a magician, so <laughs> just to say. I don't know. I think that uh, you know, uh, I don't know. Well, there's a whole nother play that's going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Behind the scenes. Just yeah. remember that you're in, there's, you know, world A and world B happening. Maybe right. world C and D. You know I don't even mean? think that's the conspiracy in the sense of like, you know, the 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 media and the 1% and, you know, that's not even a conspiracy. No, there's certainly a concrete. You know, and there was warnings about this going all the way back to, you know, Teddy Roosevelt was, you know, warning us against the... Uh, yeah, read you know. the read the book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. Really? Yeah. What's that? It's about how the banks control the world, basically. I mean, of course they do. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think that that's like, I don't think you know, with with you know, looking at the situation, you know, Trump is a is a logical conclusion of the merging of you know, WWF. Not the World Wildlife Fund, but the wrestling <laughs> thing. They're the the World Wildlife Wildlife Fund are great. Uh, you know, but like the concept of uh, you know entertainment and just brutal attacking and misdirection by the uber rich and you know of of divide and conquer and of um, you know just distraction while they plunder. You know they they have no accountability anymore. It's, it's slowly you know and that's the way they designed it. I mean look at our country, man. It's founded on genocide, slavery, and uh, manipulation and. You know, like, you know, when people talk about, you know, Trump being president, they say, not my America. I'm like, well, if you, you must not have read many history books. You know, <laughs> you know this like, is your America. This is your America. Like, and we are all complicit. If you want to read a real history book, read Howard Zinn's The People's History of the United States. Oh, it's a wonderful book. I love that. Yeah, or, or, or read Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee, or read this new book, The Heartbeat of Wounded Knee, or read, you know, yeah, Annie Prue's Barkskins, which is a, you know, fiction, but... You know, it's really, you know... Blood Meridian is another... Oh, man, Blood Meridian. Cormac McCarthy is another one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you know, those Russian guys are great. Look at, you know, read The Brothers Karamazov or read, you know, um, War and Peace or, you know, and I like, you know, I mean, you know, those are all, you know, I mean, they're all prescient. You know, it's, it's, it's like they say, right, that uh, those who don't learn history or doomed, doomed to repeat to, yeah it. but what they forgot to add was those who do learn history are doomed to sit around and watch other people repeat it alright well Ben thank you so yes, much thank you. Oh, thank you I know Man, you're busy I'm not I'm just sat here in my car just being weird well we appreciate you having us oh. and uh, you got any closing words for us Scott you got nothing for us you can't burn out if you're not on fire amen